All right, welcome back to the Black Women Voices. This is your girl, Dr. K. And here. This is Valerie J. Thompson. And it is Jasmine Lewis. All right. <laughs> Hello, and welcome to episode seven of Black Women Voices. Today, we are joined by Dr. Lana Jackman, co-founder of College Success Life a blog dedicated to helping undergraduate and graduate students access the insider information they need to achieve their individual college and career goals. As a first-generation college graduate, Dr. Lana, as she is known in family circles, loves to share insider tips and strategies that will help learners of all ages pursue college and career success. A committed higher education advocate, Dr. Lana spent many years of her professional career serving in such roles as an associate dean of enrollment services, director of student financial aid, academic and career advisor, senior academic program officer, and adjunct faculty member. Dr. Lana is principal of Melange Information Services, a workforce development consulting practice that is also home base for college success life. Dr. Lana earned her PhD in Educational Studies from Lesley University, a Master of Education from Harvard Graduate School of Education, and a Bachelor of Arts in Politics from University of Massachusetts at Boston. She is co-author of College Success Diet and author of College Success Lab, an app available in the Apple and Google Play app stores. Her research interests focus on academic advising practices, information literacy, outcomes-based assessment, user education, health literacy, and evidence-based decision-making. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the conversation. Welcome to Episode 7 of Black Woman Voices. We are excited to be joined by Dr. Lana Jackman today. Dr. Jackman, can you just start by really talking about why you think it's difficult for Black women to recognize and cultivate their worth in the workplace today? especially in the higher education landscape. Mm-hmm. Um, first of all, thanks for having me, inviting me to join you guys today. I really appreciate it. Um, and looking forward to our little chit chat. Um, in terms of your question, uh, I think that, and I thought about that, and I've thought about that. And I think that, and I'm speaking in a general sense that black women generally wait for um, wait for approval, look for approval from their colleagues in terms of what they're doing, okay? And the thing is, um, you got to, as far as I'm concerned, you can't wait for them to tap you on the head and say you're doing a good job. Yeah. The most important thing you need to do, as far as I'm concerned, is when you get up in the morning, and you go and stand in front of that mirror, then you have a conversation with that person standing in the mirror. You pat that person on the back that you're looking at in the mirror, and you say to that person, you're gonna have a fabulous day today. And if you make mistakes or you make errors, then the good part is the ability to correct those errors and move forward. If you're waiting for uh, recognition and you're waiting for, um, somebody else external to you to validate you, that's the word I was looking for, validate you, then you're going to run into more disappointment than you are going to run into confirmation. So I'm, I'm, I'm really, my experience has been, and I've been in, and I've come from the whole PWI um, arena, 
And if you sit and wait for those folks to tell you how wonderful you are, then you'll be, you'll be uh, waiting to playing hops and everything else because that's not what generally they do. It's a rare, it's a, a rare exception. And there are exceptions because I've had exceptions. But for the most part, what I have learned in my career is that if you don't talk to yourself and some of my best conversations, and I mean my best, are with me because I make it a point to start off being honest with me first. Okay? You, and, and that's, you know, and, and that's very challenging because you look at it in the mirror and say, you know, that hair's got to go, girl. Something wrong with that. I mean, you could. <laughs> but you are, you are absolutely correct. Do you know what I'm talking about? It's, it's just that we can't, we can't wait for them to val validate us because that's been the whole problem for 250 years, okay? They've been so busy trying to devalue us. And then when you get into a professional arena and you're surrounded, and when I say surrounded, I don't mean that negatively, but I think what you need to understand, even today, I find myself, my sister finds herself, who is a, a professional, a healthcare professional out in, uh, in California. She still goes to meetings and she's the only one in the meetings. And we're saying, how long, now how long has this been going on? I mean, this is absolutely absurd, but it is the way it is. It's changing little by little. It's changing little by little. But my, my bottom line is don't wait for somebody to validate you. You validate, if you're honest with yourself and you have to be honest with yourself, then you validate your own self. And, 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 and open up that door a little bit to allow for those mistakes that you may make. Because the good thing about making a mistake is that you have the intellect to correct it. And also the ability to say, I apologize when you, when you are in error. Because it's not costing you nothing. It's more importantly, it's adding on to you. Okay, because you'll see the reaction of the people, you remember the situation, and trust me, you'll run into that situation again. Okay, I, you, you all have to stop me because I can go on for hot. You, 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 you're giving us a word on today. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I'm over here, amen, yes. I hear you talking to me, straight to me. <laughs> <laughs> and a collected I, offering. One of the things that you kind of mentioned saying um, for so long, hundreds and hundreds of years, these white people will say, right. devalued us as black. Right. Uh, and then even more as a black woman. And, but, we, then we, but we expect to walk into a space where we may have these individuals around us and looking for them to value us. Right. And, 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 the, and the irony is that many of them don't even think of you think of you in terms of that racial situation. Many of them look at you in terms of competition. Right. Okay. And all you have to do is watch how they interact with each other. Okay. And then take that information and apply it in terms of your own career development. And I'm not saying anything negative because all you got to do is look at the television every night and watch all that stuff that goes on there in terms of the news. 
Right. How people are treating each how they are treating their own selves in terms of what they're doing. So that's why I'm saying black to me, black women should not look external for validation unless it's from and even from and I don't mean this wrong, but even from the ones you love, don't necessarily depend on them to validate you. Okay, because everybody has their own baggage. You know, uh, one of the one of the good uh, uh, things that I, I just recently ran across, not recently, but in the last year or so, was um, the um, uh, TEDx, uh, The Danger of a Single Story. Have you all heard, seen yeah. that one by... Um, um, yeah, that's a good one. Amanda Negozi Adichie. Yeah. I would recommend that. For everyone, not once, but consistently. When you feel down in the doldrums, just sit and listen to that TEDx lecture. Because what she talks about is so fundamental to that particular question that you asked me, the first one, about um, Black women recognizing and cultivating their worth in the workplace. She, what she discusses and it brings to mind the, the, when she was said she was on the airplane and how people perceive uh, Africa as a country as opposed to a continent with 50 plus countries. And within those countries, you've got all kinds of different cultural tribes operating all kinds of differently. And then everybody looks at Africa like it's just one black spot. You understand what I'm saying? You agree with me or don't agree with me? Yeah. yeah. Okay, so I think um, that's something that you really need to uh, think about. And, and, and if, if you're advising students, that's something you need to talk to them about too. You can't wait for validation from other people because um, they have their own baggage. They have their own problems. They got stuff going on in their lives. You know, so then, well, then, and then going into what you said then, so what do you think are the barriers then? So thinking about, you know, like not wanting that validation, but like kind of going into deeper though with that, like what do you think are the barriers to career success for black women specifically in higher ed? In higher ed specifically, I think one of the major barriers is that, um, and this is my experience working with sisters in, in the last 30 plus years and watching uh, evolution is that you get so caught up in the career that you forget that you're working in an institution. Come on, I'm gonna pass the offering plate. <laughs> no, that's, now that's a good, that's, that's a good one. Cause I don't think people really recognize, you know, they, they have loyalty to the institution. They have loyalty to the job. They have loyalty. They develop these like loyalties to students right. or other faculty, just things that are not, may not be in their best interest career wise. Right. Mm -hmm. What they, what they, a lot of, um, a lot of times what they underestimate is the impact of the institution and the governance of the institution and how the institution impacts it impacts everyone across the board a lot of people get involved in their careers and they want to do this and they want to do that in their career and this and, that and the other and when you start talking about the politics of the organization then it's like to, to a lot of people it's like well that's over there 
that has nothing to do with me, but in fact, it's intimately involved. So what I'm saying is, is that when you're thinking about developing your career, always incorporate options. Don't be dependent on that institution because that institution, nine times out of 10, is not gonna think like you're thinking. Okay, you're dedicated to your students. I was dedicated to my students, but I understood early on uh, in my career that the po political nature of the institution really, really can impact your evolution. And I'll give you an example. Um, when I was uh, um, director of financial aid uh, at the university, I was there for like four or five years in terms of um, uh, doing my job as, as director of financial aid. I loved it. It was fabulous. It was terrific. And it was complex. But then there was an institutional reorg, okay? And what they did was they, they were going to create a, a dean of admissions. And so I said, okay, great. That's my next leap, dean of admissions. I always wanted to be a dean. And so I applied for the job. And I was told on the QT that the provost had already said that he didn't want any female in, as a dean of admission. Okay. Wow. So that just busted my bubble in terms of me advancing in my, in my head in terms of what I wanted to do in my career because I always wanted to get to the dean level. Um, so when I found that out, um, well, there was nothing I could do about it because that was the political that was the political environment that was the nature and um so when but when i found that out i went and i got an attorney wow and um i pushed the envelope a little bit in terms of uh discrimination and the outcome was that um I was given an appointment as the associate dean of enrollment services. Wow. I could either quit right. or they were willing because of the fact that I went and got legal advice because it was legal advice at the time. Right. My attorney wrote them a letter. And because of that, I became the associate dean one one of two and i i and when i went home and, and and told my husband i personally was laughing about it. i said i didn't have plans to become a dean this way however if that's if that's what they want to give me that's what i'm going to take okay <laughs> um and at the time also it fit my personal life because i had just gotten married and uh we were planning to have a family so i said Hmm, this all seems to be working out in the karma for moi. So let me just take advantage of it. And I, it was a very interesting experience because I was in that position for 10 years. And trust me, I was not the confidant of the dean. Okay? I was put into a, a box. But the box worked for me at the time because I was developing my family. I was, you know, I had gone and pursued my master's degree. So it all worked. 
But what I did see was the level of politics engaged and involved and how it did impact what I thought was going to be my personal trajectory. Okay. So um, that's, the, that's the primary barrier that I see is that young women that I see get all psyched up about their careers. And but you got, when you go into any organization, any higher ed, business, hospital, you better look at the dynamics of the politics. You better understand it. Talk to your colleagues. Go, go out to lunch with people. Take a stranger to lunch. That's what my mentor used to always tell me. Take a stranger to lunch, meaning somebody that you don't really know, but take them to lunch and listen to the conversation because that's going to do nothing but inform your plans and help you to determine which way, what your options are going to be. But to me, that's the primary, that's the major barrier that I see. And I think that's the most critical barrier because you can't, you, you get hired as, you know, an academic advisor, for example, and, oh, this is exciting. And, and then you're not looking at the person next door who's looking at you saying, you know, they just hired you for affirmative action, blah, 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 and all that negative stuff, okay? Um, <laughs> You have to look at the politic of the organization and never forget higher education. When I first started in higher education, I put it on a pedestal. It really was the sanctuary where we could go and be ourselves and blah, blah, and all that stuff. Okay. Until I found out early on that higher education is just like the rest of them. Okay. Full of competition, full of um, uh, negative people. And also, but there's also positive people. There's also positive experiences. Don't let me just talk negative about it. There are positive experiences. But in terms of fortifying who you are as a person, it's very important that you understand the political dynamic of the organization and how that organization functions. And even from the financial perspective, okay, you really should understand that because that impacts what you do and how you serve your population. And you know, just don't dismiss it and give it to something, you know, say somebody else is going to handle that. When you can go to those faculty meetings or you go to your departmental meetings, just listen to what they're talking about and read the stuff, the memos that they go send to you. Read those things so you're up to speed on what's going on around you. Because that's, that's really going to uh, impact how you move forward in this institution, and if you move out, that's even greater. But that's okay. But if you're gonna stay in the institution, then you know what's going on. And even if you go to a new one, you need to find out as much as you possibly can how right. these institutions are to their mission statements. That's the other thing. Ooh, don't you are dropping so many gems today. Oh, okay. So many gems. Okay. So Okay, so Dr. Lana, so with some of the things that you mentioned in in the sense of politics and, um, you know, those foreseen um, circumstances of people not wanting women and more specifically black women in certain positions, um, how would you or what advice would you give for us um, for us to pretty much safeguard our mental, emotional and spiritual health uh, while we are navigating that career trajectory? Well, the first thing um, that I would recommend is that conversation with yourself in the mirror. Oh, that's the first thing. The second thing is to talk to your um, close um, buddies, friends, people that you trust, okay? 
and it could be colleagues at work. Okay, uh, you have to decompress. Okay, I decompress when I get in my car and turn on Siri and turn on um, Channel 50, which is the R&B channel. And I'm singing on down the highway like a crazy woman, okay? And that's how I decompress, all right? For me. Or, and or I came home uh, about a week or two ago, and I've been working steadily on my blog stuff. And I said, okay, Lana, today you're not feeling it. What are you going to do? I said, you know, I'm going to look at a Doris Day marathon. That's what I'm going to do. So from 12 noon to 9 o'clock at night, I'm looking at Doris Day. Because I, I, it's, it's silly things, but it takes your mind off. You look at the silliness. I cut out the news for the day because I didn't want to be bothered. Because I, I do look at MSNBC and all that stuff. But I, you just, you, you're going to have to do those things um, that give you a long time that you can appreciate. Okay, because if you don't give yourself that alone time to refill, then they're going to beat you up when you go back to work. It's going to continually beat, beat on you. But this, is, but this is something, and see to me, I, I'm talking too negatively, I think. It's, 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 this is life in terms of how we have to live. And we have to, we have to carve out our mental and spiritual self. Okay, now I'll give you another example in terms of the spiritual thing. I was, um, when I was, I was raised in the Baptist church and um, at the age of 16, and, and it's my particular church, um, my sister and I, we just got so disillusioned because we would, the people would be talking about one another and carrying on and this scandal and that scandal and this scandal. So what we did was, and this, this time I was living with my grandmother in Detroit. And um, so what we did was we started to go to Catholic church. And we were a little hesitant about doing it, but we did it. And my my, the only thing my grandmother, who was a staunch Baptist person, the only thing she said, I don't care what church you go, so long you go to church. And so, well, I have a question to follow up. What made you, so how did you go about, what was your goal in choosing um, to go in a, to a different church? Um, the peace, the quiet, the peace. And, the, yeah. and the choice of whether or not I wanted to listen to the priest. So what I heard from you right there was something very um, important. I think that people, especially black women, our ability to pivot when things are not um, edifying us emotionally and mentally I think especially in our careers we will stay longer than we need to stay or that we should stay um and that that self-talk in the mirror sometimes is well I'm not ready I need this I need that right 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 right, right. you know how do we get past that like that thought that that all the cards have to be aligned and just pivot like if something is not serving us you know, can you give us like a snippet about like, how do you pivot in the face of something is not serving us? Um, that's really a situational kind of uh, question. It depends on the situation and it depends on how valuable that situation is in terms of your uh, future well-being. And I'm talking about your social and economic well-being. Right. Um, 
you, you just, and this is why I keep talking about, is talking to that person in the mirror, because you have to have the strength and the belief that this too shall pass. Mm. You have to have that. And the thing is, if you just think about it for a few minutes, it does pass now, don't it? Yeah. <laughs> the horror. That's true. The, That's true. Oh my God, what am I going to do? And next thing you know, you're in something different. What's key there is you. You are the key. You have to say, okay, I can't see what's down the road. Right. It's, it's, it's almost like, it's almost analogous to um, getting a divorce. Mm. Okay. Which I have done. Um, and I, and what was p pivotal to me about my uh, second marriage as opposed to my first was <laughs> I, I knew what I didn't want, mm. but I didn't know exactly what I did want. See, see but I knew what I wanted and I had, and then when I met my husband, I had, that came to my mind and I said, Hey, I'll do it. I know what I have to do if it don't operate right. Right. So, um, but he had qualities and things that I was looking for, but what was critical was the fact that I knew what I didn't want. And you have enough life experience now to know what you don't want. Mm. Now, you, now, whether or not, and if you don't know what you do want, that's okay. Because to me, that's evolutionary. Right. What you want at age 25 you may throw your, um, at age 30, look at it like, and I was thinking like that. Oh my God. You know what I'm saying? But that's because you evolved. Yeah. Your life experiences add on to your evolution. And, so, go ahead. Dr. Dr. Lena. So given that, cause I think this was the on time episode for my current situation. Um, <laughs> and that you're speaking directly to me. So, <laughs> Um, which is going to be interesting how I ask this next question, but I'm going to ask it. So when, when do you know it's time to leave a position to move to the next? When is it time to move within your career? When, when they ask you to take on more responsibility, you know what? I'm done. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. You know what? That's that's the end of this podcast. I feel like we that was the that's answer right of the day. <laughs> Wait a minute. Spoke a word. No, I finish. Let me finish. When they ask you to take on more responsibility, and they don't give you the authority to do the job. You know what? Okay. You better talk about yes, authority without influence. That's what you just said. Exactly. Give you all of this stuff. Yes. Right. Okay. Actually, that is a, to me, I find that to be typical in higher ed. They give you more responsibility, but no more money. They don't want to change your title. And right. how dare you ask them to do, in, you know, how dare you ask them to even do that? No, that is very common in higher education. That happened to me several times. And, um, and what did I do when that happened to me? I asked the question. You're, you're asking me to take on more responsibility and you're not giving me the authority to ensure that the responsibility gets carried out the way it needs to be carried out? Well, do I have a choice? And right. And said yes. And I said, well, then I, I can't do that. You have to give me the authority. And or, you're going to give me more responsibility than you give me the authority. Right. And, 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 and nine times out of ten, they won't do that if you ask the question. 
Mm-hmm. You understand what you're asking me? So, and then give some scenarios um, in terms of, so so-and-so asked me to, I asked, tell so-and-so to do something and they don't do it, but it's my responsibility, but they don't do it and say they're a junior member. I don't have the authority to, to write them up. No, you don't. But you, but you want me to get that job done. You want me to get that thing done. No, uh-uh, no, no. You have to talk to them about it. But to me, when you get to that point, that's time to be looking elsewhere. Yeah. Okay. That's the key. To me, that's the key in terms of leaving um, a current job and going to the next job. When they, when, they, when they don't recognize, well, actually, they're recognizing your talent. And that's why they're asking you to do take on the additional responsibility first dag on play. Yeah, that's what they say. That's exactly what they're doing. But see, then they don't get off any dollars or they don't get off any job title. Yeah. But they expect you to do that. That's that's to me, that's professionally inappropriate. Mm. You don't do that to people. Well, I don't do that to people. I wouldn't do that to people. And, and then particularly if they ask you to do something and they don't give you anything in return. What? No, I don't think so. No, 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 no. So to me, that's the point. Yeah. So, so I guess my next, my question then is what is the biggest mistakes that we um, as black women who are in student affairs or in higher ed in general that we make in terms of like, like career navigation or trajectory and like, how do we avoid those mistakes? I don't know if you're going to avoid them. Okay. Because some, they, they, you might get um, uh, sideswiped. I mean, you might be doing something. <laughs> you know, the thing is, you know, what I will say, and, and, and I, I want um, all of you to be aware of it, if you haven't been aware of it um, already, is that uh, I have been in situations with the black faculty and staff meetings where I have seen them take on the characteristics of the oppressor. Oh, okay. Okay. And you need to be aware of that because people get into higher education and then they start acting like the oppressor. So yeah. why are you th- And that's been extraordinarily disappointing to me, but that's been something that's been going on um, many, many years. Many, many years. Right. Okay. And I don't know if you all have experienced it or not, but. Yes. Yes. Okay. Yes. Then you know what I'm talking about. And it's. it's I, I, I want to know where it originates from, how we can do this. Why would we do this to each other? Like. We're well, slavery. Why can't like, we all just leave? There were people who were slave owners. It was us. You know, <laughs> That's true. Let me ask you, do you know Dr. Joy DeGruy? Yeah, yes, absolutely. Okay, she yes. talked post-traumatic slave syndrome. Yes, yes she did. And she talked about epigenetics and how uh, emotional trauma is can passed down from gene to gene to gene, uh, from, from generation to generation to generation. You think about it. And if those of you who haven't listened to her, you should, she's on uh, uh, YouTube. And the stuff that she comes out with... Is phenomenal. I had the opportunity to see her in Oakland, and um, and and this was like two years ago, and she was giving up uh, her presentations are fabulous, and she told me something, and I was sitting there with my mouth hanging open because I didn't 
I had no clue. What she told me was, what she told the audience, what she was talking about slavery and what have you, and she brought up the, the hymn Amazing Grace. And Amazing Grace was writ written by a slave trader. Did you know that? No, I did not. Yes, girl, there's a movie about it. Mm -hmm. Okay, and, um, and I was like, I was stunned, okay? On one hand, I was stunned, but on the other hand, it's just so much knowledge in the world that you can't totally infuse. But it was just, when she was talking about that, I said, oh, and he didn't, he didn't, <laughs> he didn't see the light until he became a, a pastor in his 70s or 80s. And so he spent 40 years slave trading. And then he saw the light, quote unquote, <coughs> excuse me. And um, he wrote this, uh, he wrote Amazing Grace. I said, really? That's interesting. Lana, don't get into the <laughs> Don't let your mind run down the highway on the Okay. But it's, um, but um, I would highly recommend you, you, if you haven't heard her, um, to listen to a lot of the, her, listen to her YouTube presentations, but also if you can get the book, Post Traumatic Stress uh, Syndrome. And let me just drop this little dime. If you, if you don't want to pay for it, because some of these books are outrageous, just go to your local library and you can get it out of your library. <laughs> okay. Nice. Um, but um, it, uh, it really, in terms of where the group adopting the, um, the habits of the oppressor, I think it just goes way back to slave times. And people get it. But when you think about, you can think about Reconstruction and how that all went down and, 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 um, and how at the beginning of Reconstruction, uh, the people who were in, the black people who were in Congress and thought that they had, you know, achieved equality and, you know, started doing things and, and next thing you know, they were being undercut left and right. And as a matter of fact, they were probably always undercut, but they didn't realize it because they took, they took, not everybody took them at their word, but you know, it, it, it the way reconstruction just occurred and then just disappeared. It's just, to me, it's extraordinary. And um, that, that business, um, that, that uh, um, PBS just did a series on it. Did, did you all see that by the way, that PBS series? Um, that was by Henry Louis Gates did um, a series on reconstruction and it's four hours. It's on public television. And you should look at that because I mean, like I said, I've gone to college, I got PhDs, blah, blah, blah. And I'm sitting there with my mouth hanging open, learning things that I didn't learn in college. I didn't learn in high school. It's just, it's so much, but we do have the option of accessing that information now. So, I mean, um, but if you can get a chance to look at that PBS um, situation, I would strongly encourage you to look at that because it really talks the socioeconomic, psychological things that happened in that 10 year period of time to people of color, it's, it's extraordinary. It's absolutely extraordinary. So did I answer your question? I think you did. I think you did. And I, I have a, another question. Maybe it's going to take us in a different direction. And I, I want to ask you about how can we as Black women support each other within those careers in higher ed? So I think you, we talked about those that maybe are, you know, taking on some of the viewpoints of the oppressor. But what, on the other side, how can we 
be more supportive of other black women in the higher education space, both on the higher ed side, student affairs, but then also on the academic side of the house in terms of like uh, being a faculty member. Well, I think to me that boils down to something personal. It's, I, you, I, I don't think there's a collective support that you can do. I mean, there's groups and things and this, this kind of situation like here, the podcast and that kind of thing. But I, I think you personally have to make a decision about um, how you're going to interact with the people of color on your campus. And like I always had, I always had an open door. My thing was, you know, you want to talk to me? We're going to go out to lunch. We're going to talk. Fine. Um, and I like to share information and share opportunities and share this. But in terms as a collective kind of movement, uh, one of the things um, my mentor used to always say to me um, that really, really uh, fortified who I was as an individual and as a person. And she said, remember, Lana that you're in it, but not of it. Ooh. Ooh. Just think about that for a minute. Mm. Huh. And if, if you have anything, if you want to, I would tell you, take that little teeny little message and share it with your colleagues, with your uh, uh, female colleagues on campus. Because a lot of people get hung up and involved and get overwhelmed by thinking they're part of it when in fact you're in it but not of it mm. and just keep that in mind did i i, I answered that question as best i can but because i i don't think there's a collective way of doing it and and supporting it's by examples it's by people like uh, joy degru and and it's people like that if we can just bring those people into people's visions and um connect them and then as, as Sylvia used to always say, take a stranger to lunch, Lana. Um, <laughs> do that kind of thing. Um, and it does work to a certain level. But you also got to keep in mind that black women, we, black women, white women, all people, period, everybody does, it has their life, their issues, and their problems, and their challenges. Yeah. And, 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 and I think that... Um, as George Group recently said, you have to keep in mind that every we're all not going to think the same. We're all not going to be the same. But if at least we all can be in the same room, mm. you have to respect the differences. And 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 the differences are profound. They're not, you know, differences are absolutely profound. And you have to keep that in mind when you're when you're talking to students or talking to colleagues and stuff. And you. Have the open door. Hopefully, you're a good listener. You have to listen to people. Sometimes it's just, that's all it takes, that they know that you're listening to them and hearing them. Okay? And just be selective about how you share your advice because you don't live with folks. You don't know what goes on behind closed doors. Right. Right about that. Okay. So you got to be right. talking about what you share. everybody everything. Okay. Yeah, right. now, no, you have to be selective because you just don't know um, the, the, the complexity of the psychology of the relationship of the families of the challenges that they have in that work. You know, um, they may be talking about a boss you think is just a great guy and they yeah. can't stand him. And, and what that would do for me is ring a bell. Yeah. There's something not connecting. How come he talks to me like that, but he doesn't talk to her like that? What's, right. 
what's going on. There's something there. So, Dr. Lena, um, as we're coming to a, to a close, um, one of the questions before we get into our wrap-up questions, what advice would you give someone starting a new position in terms of what they should be doing or looking for within their first 30 to 60 days? Okay. Um, if they're new to the field, period, they should definitely tap into the professional organization that they're affiliated with. Um, and when I say tap in, first, they should tap into the professional organization. Actually, the first thing that they should do is read the employee, employee handbook of the organization. Mm. That's the first thing that they should do. Okay. Um, because there's a lot of, it could be a lot of benefits in there that y'all don't know about when you're starting. Okay. That's my mistake. <laughs> I was about to say, I have never heard that as a piece. That is really, really. I have never read, I have never read not one employee handbook. <laughs> I have never read the employee. I, yeah, not all. Well, I would strongly encourage you to do that. Um, <laughs> that's number one. And then number two, then get connected to the professional organizations. And number three, and when I say get connected, join, but if the ins let the institution pay. You don't pay. Let the institution pay. Or, I just paid. Huh? <laughs> what did you say? I just paid my own uh my own membership. <laughs> yeah, because sometimes they don't want to pay. Yeah, well, they don't. Um, but but you should. That's why I said read the employee handbook because you don't know what they got up in there in terms of funds for for, for professional development for staff. Just check that first, then join. Uh, the professional organization and get involved in the professional organization. All right. Uh, yes, I know your job has got, got you going 24 seven, but we're talking to getting involved in the professional organization is talking about your future. That lets you develop tabs, lets you develop connections um, and see the politics of the organization as well. Right. Okay. You really need to do that. And then on campus, um, committee work. If they have committee work, then you do committee work. All yeah. right. Um, but you don't have to be the secretary. <laughs> right. Okay? You can be a member. You be a member of committee to offer your pearls of wisdom. Um, but that's important to the committee work. Um, and then just going to social events on campus. You don't have to go to everything, but go to a few things. We finding out how people operate in different different venues. That's a good one. That's a, that's, a, that's an important one to see how they operate, how they think, how they socialize, and all this that stuff. But um, that's what I would say for thirty to sixty days. And and also when you read that employ the um, employee handbook, you're on a probation pe probationary period too. You should know about that. Um, in most cases. I'm going to look at my employer's handbook. I just want you to know that yeah. that's happening. Girl. Yeah. <laughs> you might be surprised at what you might find in there, but the thing is like, they do have professional development things that, that they may not necessarily tell you in during the employee orientation. And we know how student orientations operate. They, they're so information dense. The poor little kids don't remember nothing. They can't remember nothing because Nine times out of ten, they don't understand 90% of the words that are being used in the orientation in the first place. Well, that's true. Okay, so, um, um, so just make sure that you, um, 
particularly in terms of the professional development? What do they offer for professional development? Because sometimes they can offer things university-wide that departmental people may or may not know and may and may not share with you. That's facts. Okay. That's, yeah, I can see that being very true. Yes, I, absolutely. So I want to get, so anything else, anything else that we should be thinking about for those first 30 to 90 days? Other, other than that, and um, just in terms of, uh, well, see, I have a, another philosophy that I have. When you, when you start a career, you're a professional 24-7. Can and you repeat that? <laughs> I, I think some people don't believe that you are on 24 People say stuff to me when I say stuff like, well, I'm not going to go out to a store. I'm not going to run out looking busted because if I run into somebody, I am who I am out to them at Jewel as much as I am in that office. No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's why I'm glad I'm looking like this. <laughs> but I'm with you guys, so I'm comfortable. Right. When I say you're, you're a professional 24-7, I mean, like, well, see, I have a problem with professionals talking about I'm 9 to 5. Ooh. I have a problem with that because then you're not a professional, all right? You're a, you're, you're a classified person, staff person. You're not a professional. Ooh. If you're a professional, it's 24-7. You know good and well when you're driving down the street in your car, you're thinking about that report that you had to be doing. You're right. Mm-hmm. Yes. Bring me about it. That's the truth. Or you are you right. maybe taking your shower and say, oh, Lord, I forgot about that. You're 24-7, all right? That does not mean that you don't take vacations, that you don't take breaks. Of course not. Of course you do. But don't, don't come to me and say, uh, it's five o'clock. I gotta go. Excuse me. I, yeah, I know we have the you know, work hours of that, but if we have something we have to do, then we have to do it. Particularly if it's for the students. Mm-hmm. Okay, but and that requires a little advanced planning in terms of thinking, because when you when you start to limit, you know, I'm nine to five. I'm so only supposed to work nine to five. Blah blah blah. And I'm supposed to take a lunch break at twelve o'clock. And I'm the, Wait a hold it, hold it, hold it, hold it. The way the institution perceives professionalism is nowhere near nine to five. You know, they have those work hours. That it's the whole work-life balance thing that's very important. That's critically important. But in terms of you developing as a professional, moving from career to position to position, you need to be thinking 24-7. And you know, and you need that switch to shut it off. So you can refill the tank. But yeah. in terms of professional work, you're 24-7. And if, my, for example, my boss asked me to, you know, Lana, can you stay for a couple hours? Because we have this crazy report that the central office said they need uh, and, and at 7 o'clock tomorrow morning. Can you stay a couple hours? Yeah, I can. No problem. Because you're not going to be compensated for it because you're a professional. You get professional pay. But Look at it this way. When you think in 24, as a professional 24-7, you're also building up who you are. You're being exposed to activities and experiences that adds on to who you are as a professional. And when you get into the leadership position, what are you going to expect from your staff? You want a good team. You want a team. 
team who's going to support you. And, and, and you will not be able to know everything. You can't know everything. Okay, this is why I was saying a little earlier about people uh, looking at you in terms of competition. If you, some people have, and I know a lot of people have a whole lot of better skills than I do. And then when I was in my leadership positions, I always looked for people who had a, a better grasp on something than I did. Because that made the team. Then we really, and I was really dependent on them. And they taught me. I never felt... Um, um, insecure about having someone on my team who knew something more about something than I did. That's not the deal. I'm, <laughs> the buck stops at this desk. So I'm going to make certain that I have the knowledge base of all my team members. And that to me really slides into that whole 24-7 mindset because you're the one who can control the switch on and off. Yeah. But you really have to not think because if you say stuff like, you know, five o'clock, that's I'm over, I'm done at five o'clock, and your boss hears you, they, they're not gonna like that. They won't tell you that. But they're not like that. But yes, you have to put controls on it. You do have to put controls on it, but also look at it from the positive perspective. It's building your whole professional repertoire. So if you, when you get to working in the White House and you have to work 18 hours a day, like you, can a do it. you know what I'm saying? Yes. It's then you will be able to do it. You'll be able to do it. And working in those kinds of, when you're vice chancellor, this and that, and that you, you're working all the time. Yes. You, am I wrong or am I right? You work, you know, I, I do. I feel like you're absolutely, I mean, you, yeah, you you definitely have to at least are available. I, th I think that, you know, on the other side, you have to know when you need to take a break and you need to step back because I think that, you know, that, that the, the, I would say this new generation of student affairs professionals don't necessarily ascribe to that, right? They don't see the, that this is what you're going to, and it's a, it can be kind of a shock to, you know, what, what, different people think about work now and they just think, well, if they're going to do this and I'll just go here or I'll just do something else. So I think, yeah, you bring up a really, really good point, but I, I want us to transition into some of those, the, our ending questions, because I don't want, I don't want time to kind of get away from us. But I, so we asked a few questions on the podcast because you suddenly dropped a whole bunch of gems for us tonight. And so I'm um, there's a few questions that we asked our guests. So the first is, what books? I know you, you gave us post-traumatic slave syndrome, but are there other books that we can add to our book list that you feel like um, would be good reads for people? Um, yeah. Trevor Noah's book. Okay. Noah's book. Have yeah. you read book? I have not. He actually, he's coming to campus in October. He's coming to my campus in October. Oh, I think. Try to read that book beforehand. That book is fabulous because what it demonstrates is the difference amongst Black people. Difference, okay. and 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 it's just fabulous. That one, I would also recommend Jennifer Lewis. You know Jennifer Lewis? Oh my yes. goodness! Yes, I heard her book was really really good. Her book is fantastic. That is a fantastic read. Um, okay. And. Um, 
The um, other book that I would recommend is um, a novel, and I was a little reticent about it when I picked it up. But I said, Lana, get over it, because I don't like to read negative things about slavery and all that, I, it, because I, it's almost like I'm in there, you know what I'm saying? So I just, yes. I, I like stuff that's going to break. Okay. This particular book is Essie, the author is Essie Edugian, I think her name is, and she's a, uh, a Ghanaian who lives in Canada. She's Canadian. And the book that she wrote was Washington Black. Washington Black. Okay. About a slave. It's, it's, it's a wonderful story. I was very, very, very surprised at that. And so, and of course, um, um, right now I'm reading Valerie Jarrett's book and um, I read Becoming. Okay. And, okay. Um, everybody's read Becoming. I think every person that you yeah becoming is a great book i i listen to audiobook and i also have the the paper the actual physical copy of the book and so we also ask about music are there we have a playlist on spotify and so what it, what is that music that you know speaks to you and yeah so what what would you like to add to our playlist what i'd like to add is um did, did you all know Denise williams of course, Denise Williams is from my hometown. Yes, absolutely. Well, I, well, her "Free" the record "Free" by Denise Williams. Yes, that's my. You got to be free. Yes, that's my theme song. I'm gonna sing. All right. Oh, thank you. That's all y'all get. It's that's the free version. You got to upgrade to get everything else. The other one that she done is she did is "Black Black Butterfly." Which yes, she did. Beautiful, and then of course I love um, Kim. He, he sings this beautiful song called Share My Life. Yes. And, um, Alexander O'Neill, Luther Vandross, Marvin Gaye, Bruno Well, Mark. that's a whole other playlist right there. Right. <laughs> <laughs> that's and, another playlist. Got, so it's got to be, it's, for me to feel uplifting, it's got to be something. I got to just drive and go have a good time. Okay. Highway, okay. So we have a couple of other things. So another thing that we asked is, what does this podcast, what, what does Black Woman Voices mean to you? It means that it's, ironically, it gives us a voice. And this mm -hmm. podcast is an up-and-coming kind of a medium, and everybody's really locked into it. And I think that to have the opportunity for young people to listen to you guys in terms of your career evolution is so important. The different experiences and your willingness to share those experiences and to seek out others, really to act like a beacon to young professional black women and men to listen because our experiences, they go through the same kinds of things, a little bit different, but they go through the same kinds of things. And so what you're doing is educating. And I just, I'm very, very thrilled and very happy to be a part of that. Okay, awesome. And so our last question is about a woman that you would like to celebrate. So tell, tell us uh, the name of a woman that you would like to celebrate. No, the, um, it was my mentor and, and her name is uh, Dr. Sylvia Simmons. And um, Sylvia went to uh, um, Manhattanville and she has been a person who has been just instrumental in my whole evolution. Uh, and um, she has been a person who 
she came, she developed in higher education through the Harvard Radcliffe line. And she, her experiences of being the one and only were intense. And when I first met her as a director of financial aid, we was at some meeting and she was on one side of the room and I was on the other and it was just the two of us in this big room full. Right. And she just came over and we talked and I never, ever said to her that she was my mentor, but she always said to me, Lana, anything you need, anytime you want to talk, just call me. We'll get together. And that's been 30 plus years ago. And I just had lunch with her last week. She's been um, chairman of the board of the Museum of Fine Arts in Boston. She's done such, she's one of those people who've done a tremendous amount um, in terms of under the radar. You won't know about Sylvia, okay? Because she doesn't, um, she's not that kind of public kind of personality, but she's been in so many things and been so influential. But what I like about her and, and when I first met her, I wanted to be just like her when I first met her. And then I realized that I couldn't be like her because I don't have her personality. Yeah. As a matter of fact, the person that you, I can't think of her name, the, um, the um, guest that you had on at the podcast just before this one, um, um, she, I, I was listening to her and I was laughing because Sylvia's personality is, I used to tell her, she's like a velvet hammer. She can say things to people that if I said the same thing to people, they'd be calling out the state police. They'd be calling them <laughs> the SWAT team. She got the gift of finesse. But she, yeah. she has the gift to say things. And you don't, you don't ever take offense at it. So to me, that's a t that, and that's when I realized I, I can't be like her. But that doesn't mean that she can't inform my development. And she's just been, been with me through all these years in, in terms of professional development. And it's just been wonderful. Absolutely a wonderful experience. Well, thank you. Well, Dr. Jack, we want to thank you for joining us today for this discussion. I know that there um, that there's a lot of gems that people are going to get out of this conversation. And here, and me and my co-hosts just want to thank you for listening to episode seven of Black Woman Voices. We hope you enjoyed our conversation with Dr. Lana Jackman. If this is your first time listening, please check out the first six episodes available on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, and Google Podcasts. Also, please don't forget to rate, review, and share the podcast. We want this platform to reach as many as possible. Thanks for listening, and we will chat with you soon.